Hello and welcome to Slander Town, a podcast where we like to gossip about gossip that people are suing over. Our co-host Ari is busy fending off bar association complaints filed by his online enemies, so it's just me and Dan today. We're going to be talking about the unlikely connection between Fox News and pro wrestling. Oh yeah! In March 2021, Dominion Voting Systems filed a billion-dollar defamation lawsuit in Delaware against Fox News and Trump-affiliated spokesmen like Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and Mike Lindell, after the cable news network repeatedly aired false claims that the voting technology company had rigged votes and stolen the election by switching thousands of votes for Trump to votes for Joe Biden. We talked about this case a little bit in episode four, but since then, a trove of highly revelatory emails and texts has surfaced. Though Fox News anchors presented a united front in propagating baseless election fraud claims, evidence from the case shows that behind the scenes, many of the network stars had not drunk the Kool-Aid. For example, talk show host Tucker Carlson wrote, Sidney Powell is lying to his producer, while anchor Brett Baer similarly wrote to an executive, there is no evidence of fraud. None. Of course, all this was while they were peddling these lies on air to millions of primetime viewers. With their hypocrisy laid bare, how will Fox News retain its viewers? The answer may be found in professional wrestling. Pro wrestling has long been known to be fake, with its outcomes, storylines, and even its trash-talking monologues scripted by writers well ahead of the actual match. This fakeness, known as kayfabe, was initially meant to be hidden from the audience. Wrestlers had to stay in character to convince the audience that their personas and purported enmities with other wrestlers were real. However, all that changed when Vince McMahon took over the WWE. The organization stopped calling itself an athletic competition and began referring to itself as sports entertainment. Kayfabe, accordingly, had to evolve to accommodate the contradiction. As Abraham Josephine Reisman, a journalist and the author of Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America, says, Modern kayfabe rests on a slippery, ever-wobbling jumble of truths, half-truths, and outright falsehoods, all delivered with the utmost passion and commitment. She notes that fans either become deluded and argumentative obsessives, or willfully blind cynics. I'd say I'm more deluded and argumentative than cynical. Will Fox News anchors take their cues from Stone Cold Steve Austin and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and learn to nurture a consciously ignorant audience? Here to help us answer that question is Josie herself. Thank you for being here, Josie. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. This is such an interesting idea, and I'm very curious to see if I can contribute anything of interest. Sure. So um, just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about what kayfabe is? Sure. Kayfabe is uh, a word of somewhat unclear linguistic origin. It may be some form of corrupted pig Latin. Um, And uh, it emerged in the world of traveling carnivals and circuses in the late 19th century, the late 1800s, um, which is also where pro wrestling emerged from. And pro wrestling held on to that term long after it fell out of use by others. And it's, it's a little difficult to define very briefly. But most importantly, kayfabe was a noun. It was you had to obey kayfabe or you had to observe kayfabe. And kayfabe in that context meant the sum total of all the conceits of professional wrestling. And that all added up to one big flat 
beautiful foundational lie of professional wrestling, which was what you are seeing in the ring tonight is real. It's a real athletic competition. These people who are fighting really hate each other. They really have the traits that you are seeing them display. And of course, that was, like I said, a lie. That was, it, the matches were predetermined. The characters were often complete fabrications, but it was a nice comforting lie that was easy to build an industry on. What happened in the past few decades was kayfabe as it was died. And Vince McMahon, the subject of my book, is a huge factor in that. He made his product somewhat ludicrous, even by wrestling standards. Things were very cartoonish on early Vince McMahon era World Wrestling Federation programming. And people tended to start seeing this rightfully as a bit of a con. And eventually in 1989, uh, Vince's chickens come home to roost because he went on this campaign, he and his wife Linda, to deregulate professional wrestling in as many states as they could by saying, oh, well, we're not, we don't need the same health uh, and safety regulations and taxes as a sporting event because we're not a sporting event. And eventually that caught up with the WWF when the New York Times caught wind of the New Jersey deregulation effort and wrote a story in February of 1989 saying, um, you know, wrestling is fake. Now, literally the, the headline was, now it can be told, colon, these wrestlers are just having fun. And that was the end of kayfabe as it was. It sort of sputtered along in the form of what you'd actually see on the wrestling shows. It's not like the wrestling shows immediately started saying, hey, everybody, this is fake. They kept going with the formula they had, but to greatly diminishing returns. In your book, you detail how kayfabe was eventually replaced by its evolution, neo-kayfabe. What is the principle of neo-kayfabe? Neo-kayfabe is not a big, solid, flat, foundational lie. Neo-kayfabe is a collection of beach balls that are greased that you're walking along and trying not to slip. It's thrilling, but it is not very stable. And neo-kayfabe is the principle whereby wrestling is presented not as real, but in fact, as fake. What a wrestling promoter will now say to you is, yeah, this is all fake, but, <laughs> and then the but is, you know, they'll spread rumors, either they or the wrestlers or whoever, that like, oh, these two guys are having a match tonight. Sure, it's wrestling, so it's a predetermined match, but these two guys really hate each other. Like backstage, let me tell you. So one of them might hurt the other one. You better tune in tonight to find out what's going to happen. And that mix, that uncanny mix of fact, fiction, and everything in between, it really throws off a system, but can be very lucrative. And it was for wrestling. Neo Kayfabe became the essence of why people watch wrestling now. Um, you know, that and I guess the, ex, you know, there's, there's still the element of appreciating athletic achievement, but you can watch gymnastics for that. You want to watch wrestling because it knows how to push your buttons. And one of the ways it pushes your buttons is through this Neo Kayfabe principle. How do modern wrestling fans perceive kayfabe? Do they appreciate when this fourth wall is broken or? Well, here's the thing. Appreciate is not necessarily even the word. They get fired up. And that's all that wrestling wants, is for you to get fired up. All it wants from you is your attention and your dollars. Right. And I actually, interestingly, I had read an article about how modern news organizations kind of use this concept of kayfabe um, in televised news. The New York Times had published a profile on the president of CNN, Jeff Zucker. 
there was a quote in it that said, you know, as Zucker sees it, his pro-Trump panelists that he that he calls to speak, they're not just spokespeople for a worldview. He sees them as characters in a drama. That's exactly right. I mean, you ne- you see the two places you see kayfabe most clearly, and especially neo kayfabe most clearly represented these days are pro wrestling and twenty four hour cable news. Those are the places where you see kayfabe because, you know, I always say. Anyone who does cable news punditry, especially contrarian cable news punditry and conservative cable news punditry, um, owes a great debt to Jesse Ventura and Vince McMahon. Because Jesse Ventura, who is known to politics watchers as the former governor of Minnesota and now a famed conspiracy theorist, uh, was initially a wrestler, as, as many know. But what is often underappreciated is he as a wrestler was somewhat unremarkable. That's not why he's significant in wrestling. He's significant in wrestling because Vince saw fit in the mid-80s to say, hey, I'm going to make you a play-by-play. I'm going to make you a commentator, not a color commentator, like on sports uh, and a legitimate sport. But the deal with you is going to be you're a bad guy commentator, which was something nobody had tried before. You're going to be a character in this drama insofar as you're going to root for everything that's evil. Every bad thing that happens, you're going to come up with some way to justify and praise. And that's, that's all you have to do as a cable news pundit. So, Josie, I'm thinking about how, as a 90s wrestling fan, a lapsed wrestling fan, if you will... There's always, there's faces and there's heels. The faces are the, the good guys. The heels are the bad guys. But sometimes they cross over. It felt to me growing up that sometimes the faces wanted to be heels, the heels wanted to be faces, or or maybe that the organization wanted a, a certain posture, but the wrestler resisted. And so I'm thinking about Donald Trump, who for you know the last half decade has been the ultimate face for Fox News. Face, uh, I mean, face in more ways than one, but he was, a, he was the good guy. Oh, yeah. And... With this Dominion case and all the explosive testimony that's coming out, it's obvious that Rupert Murdoch does not like Donald Trump, does not respect him. Neither does his, do his main you know, bookers, we'll call them, the people that decide the storylines like Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, etc. But he's a cash cow. But he's a cash cow. And I was wondering whether or not there's an analog in wrestling. Oh, absolutely. There are plenty of analogs. I mean, you have... Um all kinds of situations where promoters, the people who run these these wrestling outfits, really can't stand their top guys who can become complete prima donnas and very difficult to deal with. I chronicle that, uh, a few of those instances in the book. You know, the notable one is the ultimate warrior. You know, the ultimate warrior who fans of late 80s, early 90s wrestling will certainly remember, was this extremely untalented wrestler who had no idea about the technical aspects of wrestling and really didn't care to learn, was very difficult to work with. But boy, did the crowd eat him up. He was so energetic and so colorful, literally, um, and so bizarre that, and big, he was just an enormous, muscular, roided out guy that, you know, you couldn't not put him on TV. It was just that he drove people insane. And Vince eventually exacted his revenge against Warrior, but for a while was was pushing him despite the fact that he was very difficult to deal with. Because, yeah, he was what the people wanted. The Ultimate Warrior, I was like, oh, yeah, Trump is basically the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> you should Google the Ultimate Warrior. This guy was a freak. Like, he was insane. Most of the time, promoters 
um, will put up with a certain degree of bullshit if the if the wrestler is is able to get the crowd going. And that's what Trump does. He learned a tremendous amount from wrestling. I couldn't stop thinking about your book and your theories of mapping uh, wrestling onto politics um, with with this treasure trove of discovery materials. Absolutely. It's all kayfabe. It's all like a neo-kayfabe too, because the thing is with Fox News, you will take a true statement or a true story and then just shave off everything except the part that works for you and then build a whole fiction around it. But you have to have that that little grain of truth so you can throw people off. It's very difficult to fight Neo Kayfabe. So one of the things that I'm curious about is wrestling, as you just stated, had this evolution with their fans. And I don't know if every fan made it to the new Kayfabe. Some of them may have just, when they said, oh, it's fake, eh, not for me. Mm. And so for years, Fox has tested this, this tension where privately, or I mean, actually, I should say publicly, but not not on television, but in the courts, they are saying this is not news commentary. When Tucker Carlson beat back a defamation case, they explicitly argued that people don't aren't supposed to be listening to him as a source of news. He's just hyperbolic. No, it's the same thing as what Vince did with wrestling in the 80s when he started calling it sports entertainment instead of a sport. Exactly. It's like wine product or, you know, any number of. <laughs> Other things, yeah, where it's not exactly the thing that it has the, the word for in the name. You know, I mean, it was not sports. It was entertainment. That was always true. But he was the first one to say it. This is just how how news entertainment works. You know, it's a news style entertainment. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so I'm going to read a, a quote to you from Tucker Carlson and then tell me what how to, how to unpack this. Hit me. This is after the, the call that Fox News' decision desk made for Arizona, which was like the, the beginning of the end, mm. right? The election's going to Joe Biden. Sure. Tucker Carlson's freaking out. He, he writes, do the executives understand how much credibility and trust we've lost with our audience? There's a lot of talk about respect in the audience. What does that mean in this context? Wow. Respect and trust of the audience. That's so interesting. Because of course the trust is the trust in the lie, right? You know? We've saw it's it's this. I mean, what he's talking about there is the same as when a wrestling promoter is talking about how we've we've lost the interest of the audience. I mean, that's what he's really saying. He's not. I mean, trust is is a fancy word there for confirming their priors, <laughs> you know. And that's what you do in wrestling. If you're doing it right, you're taking people's pre-existing biases and passions, and you're poking at them to a point where they can't look away. The credibility and trust he's talking about there is the credibility and trust that we can tell an interesting story that they'll like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Josie, will Fox News viewers' perceptions change in light of Tucker Carlson and these other primetime personalities, these private messages that they've sent? Um, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of analogous in how have mm -hmm. wrestling fans adapted to modern kayfabe? Yeah, I don't think you're going to lose that many people on Fox News with these revelations. I mean... You might lose the people who, like Dan was saying, were turned off by wrestling when they found out it was fake. But most people, I mean, part of what I say in the book is a lot more people knew wrestling was fake than were letting on publicly about that back in the day. You already take the poison pill of going, well, this is fake, but I'm going to enjoy it anyway. 
And it's really hard to come back from that. Once you have, you know, I have a, I have a friend who's Catholic who, you know, I'm Jewish and we'll have these theological conversations. And I'll say, you know, you, you, you could be a great Jew. I'm not allowed to proselytize, but you're very smart about it. And she always says, you know, once you have accepted the virgin birth, there's no going back. And <laughs> I think that that's basically true with wrestling too. Once you've accepted that you don't need to see the truth, you just need to see something that gets you going, it's very difficult to go back from that. And we've all done that in, in one medium or context or another, uh, whether it is religious, like accepting something completely miraculous, or whether it's wrestling or whether it's politics, where you go, you know what? I don't really care whether or not Trump is telling the truth. I hate trans people or I hate black people or, you know, he's getting the job done against my enemies. So I don't see this being a devastating blow. It just in the same way that, you know, revealing that wrestling was fake was ultimately not a devastating blow to wrestling. Wrestling ended up, although now it's sort of reached a, a plateau in some ways, Back in the late 90s, which was when it was the most accentuating how crazy and fake and messed up it could be, that was the most popular wrestling has ever been in this country. Dark times are ahead, and Fox saying, okay, well, we made all this up, is not actually an impediment to them continuing to be successful. Right. Final question for you. If Vince McMahon were in charge of Fox News, could he get rid of Donald Trump? What would be his strategy? Like, what do you do? He wouldn't want to. He's so fr he's very friendly with Donald Trump. But... Uh, f fair enough, but I mean, the problematic superstar. What's how do you how do you how do you destroy them? How do you get rid of them? Oh, you just needle them as being less than a man. That's easy. It's actually. I mean, if Fox News wanted to undermine Trump, it would be astoundingly easy. I think you can do it the way Vince McMahon has done it with countless wrestlers, which is you know Vince used to be the commentator. He used to be on the microphone, and that was a very, even while he was the owner, he was the commentator for many years. And that was a very important position for an owner to have, because once you can kind of pepper the, the match with some post-hypnotic suggestion that the viewer isn't even paying super close attention to about how a wrestler is or isn't a certain way, you can really change their, in, their opinions about that wrestler. You know, you can really win people over to a side that you think that you can't if you, as a master manipulator who doesn't care about shame or truth, um, decide to go, hey, this, you, you hear about this guy, he's a little light in the loafers, you know, or like, you hear about this guy, he's uh, kind of whiny. You know, you just, you say stuff like that and eventually people go, eh, well, he's kind of lame. Like, the Trump, for Trump to lose, people have to decide he's lame. Not that he's you know, dangerous or evil. That's all very good for him. People just have to get bored with him. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is going to be very enlightening both to wrestling fans and political news junkies and the, that crucial third demographic. Lawyers. Yeah, lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I'm trying to reach with this one. Thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Super duper appreciate it. I'm very glad we got to have this discussion. And that's a wrap on episode six. Thank you for joining us and see you next time on Slandertown. See you next time in a steel cage.